1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees. 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CT Mobile.com.
2: Pretty simple. The players play because they want to win. So that's all they're saying is look, we want to win. And that's our focus. And, you know, we we want to win as well. I think the moves that we're doing by trying to give larger roles to young players, it's so that we can surround those players with better players and give us a deeper team to have a chance. I think looking back to where we were this summer, you know, we, we won one round of the playoffs against Edmonton and then we, we weren't good enough to beat Vegas. And Vegas is a very strong team. They're probably one of the top two or team two or three in the league right now. They're deep from top to bottom. And that's what we're trying to build. We're trying to get more depth. The Hawks? Yeah.
3: Bowman, he was on with Mullen on the score, Chicago Sports Radio 670, that's what you're listening to now on Saturday Suckage, the Hawks are a perfect time to talk, we are, we are Saturday Suckage because of the Hawks, We they, the uh, general manager was on the We Suck Tour, so he did an interview <laughs> with our next guest. Jay Zawoski joins us on the hey, Alpamaoni Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, and Jay's here with the uh, the Madhouse Podcast. Jay is also the author of the Big Fifty: Chicago Blackhawks Fifty Moments and Men, and and it's a it's a great look at the this franchise that has a lot of history. And now they're doing the whole "we suck" thing. We're trying to be transparent about it. Jay, what do you make of all of this? And how soon does it stop sucking? Well, the problem
4: is they're probably not going to suck enough. Um, they're, they're, they're not going to be good, uh, but they're not going to be terrible because they're not going to rebuild. They're not going to actually trade Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook. Um, and, you know, I sort of ran this question by Stan Bowman when he was on the Madhouse podcast with me, like, how possible is it to move a deal that's ten and a half million dollars? And in this climate, it's almost impossible unless you're going to take about that much money back. And at mm-hmm. that point, you're probably just better off keeping the better players, right? So a rebuild is not really happening. So they're going to kind of be stuck in the middle here. And, and the other thing is when I look at this roster, I don't hate it. You know, they added, they did successfully add some depth with Yanmark and Walmart and Zodorov's is going to make their defense better. And you hope that one of these kids emerges, right, and takes a roster spot. But then, with the roster improved, you've got three goalies you don't trust. So it's kind of like, well, are you trying to win? Are you trying to go young? They're not really doing any of it. And I think that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of why I just throw my hands up. Like what Sam Bowman is saying makes sense, but it just, I don't know how it differs from what they've been doing for the last two or three years.
5: Well, and also, as you say that, Jay, I'm thinking to myself, won't this on the team create some conflict amongst the players when you have a team that, if they're not rebuilding, what they are trying to say is that they would like to develop their young players, as in they're probably going to throw a goalie in there that doesn't have a lot of experience. There's going to be players they are going to push forward and let them you know, go through their growing pains. So you have that versus the guys who you said they can't trade like Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook, who are there strictly to win. They don't care about any of this development stuff. Won't that create some sort of weird conflict within the team?
4: I think, I mean, probably, you know, and, and Sam Bowman says that he's talked to the veterans and they understand the plan now and things are a bit more clear. Remember, when Jonathan Taves spoke out uh, with Mark Lazarus the day after the Brandon Saad trade, that was before the Hawks signed a couple, you know, 25 and 27 year old veterans to make the team better. So there is a little bit of context added there where it wasn't just Crawford left, Sod left, and all they had to show for it was Zadorov. There's a few more guys added to the mix now that are going to help the team. But it is sort of that conflict of, like, we're here to win. We're, you know, we're three time Stanley Cup yeah. champions. We want to be great. The problem is. <laughs> the reason they can't win is because of their contracts, right? Like they're kind of hamstrung because Taves and Kane make 10 and a half and, and Keith and Seabrook make a lot of money. So they can't really do much to improve significantly. That's why they sort of have to hope for these young players to develop and step up and be good. And they've got to sort of supplement or, uh, you know, the roster with guys who are in their low to mid twenties, making affordable contracts and hope that some of those guys catch fire, and and you got to hope that one of these prospects at least really takes a huge step forward. And if that happens, then we can talk. But again, that brings me back to the goalie thing. And until you know what you have in goal, it's really hard to project any sort of success for this team.
3: Jay Zawoski is our guest. He is the co-host, one of the co-hosts of the Madhouse podcast, the author of the book the big fifty, Chicago Blackhawks fifty moments and men who made that history. And you can you need to get it now so you're well versed on this upcoming Hawks hockey season about what what used to be. And here's it's really easy to go on this We Suck tour and try to act like you're transparent when there's really nothing else to do. There's no fans. There's no tickets that won't be sold. None of them are going to be sold. There's nobody to dissuade. It's easy to look transparent this way and it's easy to know you're not going to lose your job because Danny Wirtz and Rocky Wirtz don't want to pay for another general manager and another coach. And when you talk about goaltenders, they got rid of the best goaltending tandem I thought in the league. And now you're left with three unproven goaltenders and a coach who can't coach defense he can't get his point across he can't implement a system when he's had the time to do it and it can only get uglier but again without fans buying tickets this is the time that you can get away with this and it feels kind of if I were a Black Hawk fan I feel really helpless because I'm not sure I trust the GM because of his choice of coaches I just feel helpless if I were a Hawk fan that this is not what I want to see because I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, all they do is make the playoffs around Crosby mm-hmm. and Malkin. All they do, no matter who's coaching, no matter who's GMing, no matter who's in and around them, they've made the playoffs for 14 straight seasons. And had there not been 25 or 800 NHL teams in the playoffs, the Hawks wouldn't have been in them this year for the third straight year. And I I feel helpless if I'm a Hawks fan. <clears throat> Am I right? Well, Am I wrong? How do you feel, Jay?
4: Well, here's uh, threw a lot at me there. Um, So the coach thing, um, (laughs) I asked Bowman about that. I said, what makes you confident that this is the guy to lead this organization forward? And he talked about his ability to communicate with young players and how players of this generation, the 22, 23 year olds want specific coaching, right? They want to be told, here's what you did wrong. Here's how to fix it. Here's what we expect. Here's A, B, C, D, E of what you need to do. Whereas, and look, it's, we all think of Patrick Kane as this kid. Patrick Kane's what? 32, 33. Mm. He comes from an era and Keith and Seabrook and Taves come from an era where coach Q or whoever the coach would be like, you sucked. Be better next game. Get out of <laughs> here. And that was enough. Right. And there is a generation gap between these players. There's 10 years between Patrick Kane and Alex to I know that sounds crazy, But that is a different generation. So he believes that Cowlitton's communication skills are what makes him qualified to bring the Hawks into this next era. Okay, fine. So then I asked, uh, actually it may have been opposite order, but it doesn't matter. I said, we've heard these veteran players complain about Jeremy Cowlitton's system and how it's restrictive. Especially Duncan Keith has said that I don't get to use my instincts. It's all too rigid. It's all too, you know... um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I think regimented maybe is, is is a good word for it. And what Stan said was, well, you know, these guys played under Quenville for 10 years and it became second nature to them and it became instinct for them. And it was a big adjustment for them to adjust to a new system. And he said, it could have been Jeremy Calton. It could have been Scotty Bowman, but a change from what you're done for 10 years is difficult. And Bowman said, it was harder for them than I expected, or it took longer than I expected for the veterans to understand the system. So that tells me, well, if you just told me Jeremy Collin's this great communicator, uh-huh. right, and you've got these four pillars of your franchise that could have uh-huh. been told 10 years ago, you suck be better, and they got that, but they can't get the specific <laughs> instruction? <laughs> right? Like, they can't, they can't take specific... Like, so Jeremy Collin, who's more specific than you just sucked, is that too complicated for these guys? That's the thing. It's like, I don't know. It, I, again, I don't think... Jeremy Calton is necessarily a bad coach. I don't think he's the right coach for this team at this moment. In three years from now, when Taves and Kane and Keith and those guys are off the team, maybe that's when you bring in the boy genius coach and you try to wow everybody. You mentioned the Pittsburgh Penguins, okay? Evgeny Malkin makes $9.5 million. That's $10 million less than both Taves and Kane. And Sidney Crosby, who is the generation's best player, Makes 8.7 million as compared to 10.5 million from Taves and Kane. Now, that's what? It's only a savings of, you know, 3 million, but that's a guy who can contribute to your team. That's a player. That's a guy that helps. That's keeping Tuomo Rutu. Or I'm sorry. T- wow. <laughs> it's keeping Tabo Terabine in. <laughs> Well, two 20 Ts. It's keeping Tabo Taravina instead of trading him, right? It's it's being able to afford yes, right. Artemi Panarin instead of trading him for Brandon Saad. Those we've talked about this over and over again, Steve and and Mark. Those extra millions, those extra 500k's, those extra no movement clauses, those extra 2 years, all these things that Bowman hands out. And look, you can argue three Stanley Cups earns you those benefits. Fine. But then you have to understand that at the end of this thing, it's going to be ugly. And we all knew that when we saw Marion host sign and we saw these long-term contracts, we all sort of laughed like, that's going to be tough towards the end. Well, guess what? Here we are. It's the end and uh, it's going to be rough. And I do look, I look at this roster and I see potential. I see a lot of young guys who are already pretty good, right? Kirby Doc was the best Blackhawk in the playoffs. He's yeah. 19. Adam Boquist played a lot of games last year. He's 20. When we talked to uh, Stan Bowman this week, he said that he thought Ian Mitchell, their next defensive prospect, was ahead of Boakless last year, but he opted to go back to college. So there's a scenario where Mitchell starts the year in Chicago and Boakless doesn't. DeBrinckit's 22. Dylan Strom is 23. There is that young core, but my question is, Who's the next Taves? Who's the next Kane? I think Bowman thinks it's it's Kirby Doc, and I guess we're gonna find out. But it's you need more than one of those, and it's hard to get those guys when you're picking in the middle of the draft.
5: Man, we all got to know Dominic Kubalik a little bit too, so he's another one of those names yeah. to add to that bunch. Jay, also, the. All right, so back to the goalie situation, mm-hmm. and, and it is it. If Jeremy Carlton is in charge of this, this is an incredibly important decision for the franchise going forward. How do they handle it? Is it just a good old-fashioned competition between Delia, Lankanen, and Subban? Who's the starting goalie for the Blackhawks?
4: I think if the, if something was decided and they dropped the puck today, they would say Malcolm Subban's the starter. He's got the most NHL experience. He was a first-round pick. Um, the nice thing is they've only got $1.85 million tied up in both goalies. Delia makes a million. Suvan makes 850K. And Bowman, in every interview he's done, has alluded to adding a goaltender next offseason. I think he's got somebody in mind. I'm looking at the free agents ahead, and none of them fit the plan that Bowman's talked about. So maybe he's talking about a trade. Maybe he thinks something's going to happen at the expansion draft. I don't know, but it seems like he's got something in mind. Meantime, you let these young guys play it out and see what happens. It's just tough for me to say, look, you're you're going to try to win and rebuild on the fly. That's basically what he's saying, right? Add young depth around the veteran core. That's fine and good. And again, you can make an argument that this roster, if everything breaks correctly, could be a playoff team. But I can't buy that with these goalies. I just can't. Unless one of these guys jumps up and becomes a number one guy they're not going to have much of a chance and look you had a very similar roster last year and two all-star goalies for the bulk of the season and it took a pandemic to make the playoffs right so yeah. i just don't know how with three unproven guys in nets and the one guy with the most experience has been closer to being called a bust than a future breakout star i don't know how you i don't know how you draw a line to the playoffs as they're currently assembled with these
3: goalies our guest is Jay Zawoski. He is the co-host of the Madhouse podcast, talking about the Blackhawks. He's the author of *The Big Fifty: Chicago Blackhawks*. You can find that wherever quality books are sold, and, and he's books. also the co-host of the *I'm Fat* podcast. And I could not miss this opportunity to have you, Jay, weigh in on the boomstick, which is having a a renaissance now that the World Series is in Texas and it and it went viral this week. There is a food item that is called the Boomstick is a two-foot all-beef hot dog smothered in chili, nacho cheese, jalapenos, caramelized onion. It weighs three pounds and costs $27.50. Your thoughts? There's no,
4: sir. As my guy Rick Camp likes to say, there's no bad words in there. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of the boomstick here Uh and this is not ideal ballpark food. Uh, you're, this is a mess. You're going to have dirty hands, dirty face. You're going to need a million napkins. This is not something you could place under your chair to finish later. Uh, it (laughs) looks good. It looks like something I would eat, but at a ballpark, that's a tough go. If we're talking about my kitchen table or a picnic table somewhere, and I have a fork and knife, and I can sort of cut this thing into eight pieces or whatever. Yeah, I think I could—I don't know if I could take down the whole thing, but I could probably, it looks like I could do maybe a quarter of it. Rick, maybe a little bit more. It looks delicious. I just—ballpark-wise, <sighs> it does not seem very functional.
3: I, I didn't know if that I was I like that, you'd, functional. You'd, That's
5: an important yeah. word. That's an underrated word in, in food parlance, I would say. Think food has got to be—it's fun. It's like— I'm sure you guys have discussed this, Jay, the whole like, food that you can drive and eat. It's got to be functional, oh, yes. right?
4: Yeah, that's, that's my biggest complaint with Taco Bell is I get Taco Bell in the car and there's just lettuce everywhere. You know, lettuce on the floor. Or <laughs> somehow <laughs> someone ends up on the ceiling. It's just, it's just not it's not conducive yes. to car eating. You know, that's, that's part of the problem. <laughs> right. and, and our guy Matt Spiel uh, invented but never actually followed through on the passenger seat buffet which is some sort of folding tray <laughs> that you can pull out that gives you a nice flat surface to eat while you're driving. And, you know, some some reservoirs for the sauce cups if you need those. But, yeah, I, I think that functionality the ball ballgame is important. Plus, it's two feet long. That's going to become an issue for your neighbor as well. That's going to be on your neighbor's lap. Um, and so it needs to be kind of a, I guess, a communal agreement that this is going to be consumed uh, in this row, and I hope no one has a problem with it. It looks good. I would eat it. The ingredients sound terrific, but I just don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough thing to consume at a baseball game. I need something that's going to be quick, clean, you know, and uh, and delicious. The, the,
3: the, the, the boomstick, boomstick is one was, of those three. Could you? I didn't know if the boomstick at at three pounds and two feet long uh, was something with all the other stuff on it is something that you would. Think you should share, could share, would have to share, or is this a, a me, myself, and I kind of food product?
4: I don't think so. For me, uh, my fatness is more from consistent bad choices as, a, as opposed to um, mm-hmm. volume of food consumed. Oh, okay. You know, it's not, I, I don't have a huge capacity for a ton of food, but just know that nine out of ten meals I'm eating are, are bad. So you look kind of the
3: uh, Cal Ripkin of of, <laughs> of fatness, right? Yes, you're, yeah. just, you're there. You you can Nine depend on bad food choices every day.
4: Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm going out to dinner, or you know, if I'm if I'm ordering out, because that's what we have to do now, uh, a, a pub size burger, you know, which is what maybe half pound, is your typical pub size burger, yeah. uh, and an order and a side and a couple uh-huh. beers, and and I'm pretty good to go. I think Campy has a little more capacity than I do. I feel mm. if, if we were going to have some sort of food challenge, mm. that Rick would be the one to tackle that. But I just I, I praise my own consistently bad food choices. I, I think I'm the champion of that. I, sometimes I think back, I'm like, all right, what did I eat this week? And it just looks like something they would throw comically on an infomercial about how to die quickly. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. So, yeah, yeah I, I, that's yeah, it's a little bit more. Yeah. Well, uh, for, uh, for a Saturday morning, you. but
3: it's true.
6: I okay. had a salad
4: this week. Back off.
3: I, I, we were assess salads <laughs> earlier, especially <laughs> with in, a in the course of meat on spurs, uh, meat on spears, and, and there's just no room for that. No, no, no salads, no sides. It just takes up room from the meat and meets the whole object of the exercise. Well, so
4: All the salad's doing is adding calories when you think about it.
3: Well, the dressing does salad itself doesn't really it's the dressing where you get all the calories In that well, I case,
4: was at the, I was I was at the jewels right. this week and uh, talking to the to the checker I was buying a, a big thing of uh, peanut butter and the checker said oh I I like I make three slices of toast every morning and my grandma yelled at me that, that I had to put peanut butter on it to make it healthy and I go you know I I would like to believe that that's, <laughs> that that, that that's logical. but like adding a, adding a healthy item to an unhealthy item doesn't make the unhealthy item healthy all of a sudden, you know. That that was my, my mom's thing too. Like, why don't you have a healthy snack like cheese and crackers? And I'm like, all right. And I would eat a sleeve of crackers and <laughs> 25 slices of cheese and be like, why am I getting fat? I'm eating yeah. <laughs> healthy. My mom said this is
3: healthy. I don't know what right. the problem is. Right. And right. the more you eat, the healthier you're getting. You can uh, just feel it happening, can't you? Absolutely.
4: All right. right. Feel Pray the with expansion.
3: With that protein, food. man. That protein's good for you. Yeah.
4: You know? that's, that's
5: right. What they tell you, cheese yeah. protein. Yeah, mm-hmm. I Jay, like we appreciate your, headset, your
3: time. Thank you for Anytime. talking talking yep. pucks and boomsticks. Let me uh, throw
4: out the website if some if people want to order an advanced signed copy of the book, uh, madhousepod.com/book will take you to that. Uh, there'll just be an image of the book on the page. Click that image and you fill out the order form and I'll ship it out uh, this week. I just packed. I'm looking at my box here. 25 books I shipped out uh, Friday mm-hmm. and today. Uh, I'm on my eighth case of books, which is actually Good. unbelievable. That's Good from people you. who have just ordered from me directly. So thank you to everybody who's ordered. Uh, I really appreciate the support. And uh, if you don't want a signed copy, like Steve said, anywhere you buy books, it is available. But support your and local independent bookseller if you can.
3: Give them the address again because this is it's it's a you got to make sure you get the right okay. address to not just get the book, but also. Know that this is when the Blackhawks, when being a Blackhawks fan was fun. So make sure you you get that because it sucks right now. So all right, I, I know you guys skew, again.
4: Yeah, you skew older, so I'm gonna say h t t p colon <laughs> slash slash w slash the one that goes you know up to the right book. You're good madhousepod.com slash book slash (laughs) aol.com dot html dot gov
5: dot yahoo.com dot
6: gov
3: Gov. Gov. dot edu see you buddy right. I always appreciate you guys love you a long time love you man Jay Zawoski um the book Steve I got Bears news you got Bears news you know what well skip Wagner because we got Bears news and we need to get to it We'll take a break. We'll come back with Bears News updates, discuss it. And we have an interview with Joe Buck coming up in the second half hour. So we'll do all that and explain it to you later. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
5: This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Here's what I think. I think it's gonna be Alex Barr starting today at guard. He's been the guy working out there. He was the first guy yeah, he struggled on the first couple plays that they put him in there, but then I thought he was decent the rest of the way. So I think you give him another chance. If it doesn't look good, it's a halftime replacement. You know, then, then you try somebody else. You try Rashad Coward. I don't know what Jason Spriggs is doing. If he's a guy that they would consider in there and more of a veteran type no. to, to slot <laughs> you don't think so. <laughs> no, no, not putting Spriggs
2: no. at guard. Nope. Okay. <laughs>
5: All right, forget Spriggs and guard. I'm just going to take that straight from Olin.
1: But Mark, just, yeah, and, and I'm sure Olin's right, but Spriggs that awesome. did actually play more guard than tackle at Green Bay because nope. he kind of busted well, out a tackle. Um, nope. but, but he's Still our no. guy now, so nope. yeah. Still a no. It's it a no for how me. Much,
5: it doesn't matter how much we've seen him at guard. Olin says no.
1: And, I'll, and I, I trust in Olin on this one.
6: I do too. That made my day, man. Sorry about that. I <laughs> could hold that,
3: oh, in. that That was the moment. Oh, yeah. We talked about that earlier. Saturday 2nd, that's Mark Brody and getting the official word from Olin old, old Share no. with the class the background on that and then your Bears news before we have to get out of here. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty
5: self-contained. It was me just thinking, hey, Jason Spriggs, so how about giving him a shot? He's just sitting there. He's a veteran. They like veterans in there, you know, and it was a non-starter. I actually got it wrong all around because – Turned out about an hour before the game, we learned that it was Rashad Coward that would be starting in that last game against Carolina. So just just, just stricken from the record, anything I say about the Bears offensive line here forth, or hub for that matter. Olin, it's all about you, brother. That's what it is. The Bears news, much more important than anything out of this nonsense. Akeem Hicks is was back in full he was back in full practice today had been sick for two days there is no designation for his status (laughs) excuse me meaning he is he's clear to play he'll play barring any kind of setback or something weird khalil mack of the back injury did not practice yesterday he did return to practice today (laughs) excuse me in a I am just so choked up by this. Yes, in you are li- by
3: Akeem he- Hicks being healthy.
5: and you- Yes, and then Khalil Mack practiced limited because of the back injury. He is listed as questionable on the injury report from Monday. So typically that has meant that guys play just just going from this year. So I can't guarantee you that, but an incredibly good sign that they at least had him in down as limited. Um, I guess a couple other important ones. Buster Screen, who I talked about earlier, you know, with, the, with his need and what the Rams do offensively, he did uh, he practiced limited after missing all week, so he is also questionable. Good sign for him. And my guy, Jason Spriggs, did not practice today. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, He is, Your he is questionable. Yeah. No, not putting Spriggs at guard. Nope. <laughs> No, nope. no, We're not nope. doing that here. here
5: Sherrick Olin's McManus out. Sherrick Olin McManus
3: is out. Out. Um, Dion Bush questionable. And Jason Spriggs, he's gonna <laughs> retire the letters D N P. Nope. No. Nope. No. No, no. no. That's it.
5: Must just, find a better place for Spriggs.
3: Yeah, just just be happy you weren't in the room with the with uh, Oh I know. Would make that suggestion. You can just Oh dear yeah just imagine that all right um we have to take a break when we come back we'll uh, lead you up to the last part of the show which is a replay of joe buck interview that uh, inside the clubhouse did earlier today and i'll take you up to alabama tennessee football so um take a break now and make sure that olin doesn't get to mark about suggesting jason spriggs and and I would run. In the meantime, I would run. If you could, Mark, run. I would run, run away, run away. I like it. Saturday, second, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy, the score.
6: No, not putting Springs in no.
2: guard. Nope.
3: This is Sports Radio six seventy, the score, and six seventy, thescorecom Chicago Sports Station. Mark, we have to go. A new man. No. And he yeah. For you. There's, hmm. there's Bo Django's Jerry Jeff Walker oh, passed away today. Uh, we were going to get to that. We didn't get a chance to get to that, Wagner. But Mark, we have to go. We'll be back next Saturday. We will do what are you doing, Wagner, and all that other kind of stuff. Want to thank Tom Thayer, Jay Zawoski for joining us. And now we're we're going to walk you up to Alabama, Tennessee, with an interview with Joe Buck that Inside the Clubhouse did. That's Bruce Levine and matt spiegel they did that earlier today so thanks for listening saturday suckage wouldn't be what it is without you although we don't know what it is do we mark do we know what it is have any idea
5: we have no idea but before we go steve again congratulations to you and your son brandon you. for getting married i wish you all happiness
3: well he got married now i just want to clarify i know but that you're part of it man said. this is yeah
5: this is a new thing in your life. Things are going to happen for both of you, right. so congrats. He, Just he, take the right. compliment.
3: Okay, thank you, sir. Brandon committed matrimony, that's all I can say. So, And it was a good thing. <laughs> it was loving and intimate and touching and all that kind of stuff. So thanks yeah, for listening, yeah. and um, and here's the Inside the Clubhouse interview with Joe Buck. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Laugh slap, his leg is down.
1: Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 to Score. I'm Matt Spiegel, my partner, Bruce Levine. It's Bruce's show. I'm his partner, Truth Be Told. And we welcome in our guest right now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Kind enough to give us a few minutes in the midst of eight games in eight days. It is the tireless, seemingly Joe Buck joining us right now. Good morning, Joe
2: hello (laughs) what's up guys how we doing
6: we
1: we are good we are good you know do it as long as you can right man you uh it's it's awesome and i told you this off the air you sound as comfortable as i've ever heard you doing anything and it's really from sport to sport from night to night i hope that Hope that is real, and I hope that not is drug related or anything like that. You sound very comfy. yes.
2: I'm, I'm a drug-addled play-by-play guy, just uh, <laughs> wandering the streets, and uh, if I happen to come across a, a stadium where a game is happening, I just wander in and do it, and wander out. I I feel, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's a crowd thing. Maybe maybe that is that it, it feels more intimate because it's not, you know, a sold out. Phrased atmosphere uh it sounds like it in my headset when i put it on because they they pipe in crowd noise but i i feel maybe that's that's part of the equation uh because it does feel different but uh, it's been fun I, i've loved having kind of a game a day and uh you know once you get into these postseason series you set it up and then you let it unfold and if you're willing to just let it unfold Instead of trying to grab it by the throat all the time and just hammer people with stats and all that, I think you can have fun with it, and and that's that's kind of the attitude I've taken this
6: year. Joe, uh, when you uh, when you prepare for a game on a, an individual day, take us through preparation for Game Four of the two thousand and twenty World Series. What is what is your day like other than being uh, woken up by people you don't want to talk to on the radio. <laughs> no, what, I what would is talk that? to you is... two
2: any day, uh, and you both
6: know that. Uh,
2: <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, the the funny thing is, is, is I have the the kind of the skeleton of what I need. So I have a scorebook that it's different than football. Football is you work all week, uh, or in the case of a Thursday game, you, you still work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. By the time you get to the stadium. What I have in front of me for football is done. Like you, I, I don't. I, we get there really early, and there's a lot of standing around. When I get there for a baseball game, like we get there really early, so we'll, we'll get there today at let's say three thirty, and the game is is uh, is it's whatever it is seven o'clock. Uh, and 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 it feels even longer because there's no access to managers. We do a Zoom call with them. We're not going down on the field. We're not standing around the batting cage. We're not doing any of that. So, because of social distancing and trying to stay, uh, you know, outside their bubble, we we just we just were in the booth for for basically three hours of, of doing nothing. But that time is used for me putting the lineups in for that day. All the num- all of the numbers, regular season, what they've done in the World Series, what they've done in the postseason in in general. And then I, I, I kind of just build it toward the first pitch. But but the skeleton part that I was talking about, I worked on that uh, coming back from Philadelphia the other night for the next three games. So I've got the, the obvious parts of my scorebook done, and then I fill in as I go. But I'll get up, you know, once I get off the phone, I'll start working on mainly the pitching matchup for tonight, get all the stats in, get all the trends or whatever in and 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 go with that but it's it's mainly pitching until i get to the park and then it's lineup and then it's staff i, I mean i don't know if that's boring or not but that's that's the only way i can do it
1: La- last night when austin barnes had the beautiful sacrifice the the squeeze bun i immediately was wondering god how many have there been in the postseason because i remember a couple of weeks ago the number was zero it was zero and you had it right away within one sentence. You said, that's only the third of the entire postseason. I'm like, damn, there it is right there. Is that, is that you? Is that Steve Horn, your guy? Is he still with you? I, I don't know um, where, where oh, that was. Oh, he's with me. If, oh, if he's, he leaves, he's the best. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best, right?
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, I, he is. But it's funny because we had just looked at that stat. It's just one of those good timing things because we had just looked at that stat before the game started. We were running through all the graphics that we had and that was a graphic and it did read two and so i'm i'm no genius but i know that uh <laughs> that two plus one equals three and and so i i was able to spit it out pretty fast but but the reason why it was an interesting stat is because you know you're talking about whatever the other years have been here recently but it's 20 or 30 per postseason or you know it used to be way more uh, but that was obviously because pitchers were hitting. Now with the universal DH, there's there's less of that. So much so that there's been basically none. And for Barnes to execute a safety squeeze at the end of October, uh, you know, I, I thought it's it's a pretty significant play because these guys didn't have a full spring training. And yeah, I know everybody should be able to bunt, but I think anybody watching the game today knows that bunting is is such a is such a lost art, and and to just put bat on the ball and be able to push it exactly where you want to push it, uh, and and deliver a run in in support of Walker Bueller. it was just a big play, and and so, yeah, we were able to spit that stat out pretty fast.
6: Joe Buck is our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's mad on Bruce. We're here for you, fifty-two weeks out of the year, from nine to eleven, talking baseball, and we're fortunate to have Joe for just a couple more minutes here. Joe, uh, what are your major concerns about uh, baseball going forward and the the uh, the health of the sport? Where where do you think there are a couple of power points in, in your mind of what they have to do to stay as viable as they've been and to uh, kind of uh, I, I don't know if you call recapture the energy of the sport the way it was at one point?
2: Yeah, I think that's a tricky equation um, because. It, it requires a, a lot of people sitting down and figuring out the best way forward. And I, I think it obviously requires people on ownership and management side and people on the player side. You know, when I talk of players, forget me, I mean, I'm 51. I, I think I grew up in a, in a really fun era of the game. I wish I would, I, you know, as, as a true baseball fan, I wish I was even older because I wish I had seen baseball in the sixties, which I, I think is, is kind of a heyday, of the sport with Mm -hmm. the players that that were kind of intersecting in the 60s. Uh, And, and, you know, you could write a thesis on that. But I I still think 80s and 90s baseball is different than the baseball we see here. What I love about the game today is the power. I I love power pitching. Uh, I I loved watching Walker Bueller last night. But I also love watching a pitcher get deeper into a ball game. and, And Bueller, you know, had they pushed him, uh, I, I think could have given another inning or two, but but that's you know that's with the lead the way it was they didn't need to push him last night. Um, I, I think that three true outcomes is is getting uh, pretty heavy in the game with uh, strikeout or walk or homer, and uh, talking to people that are fresh out of the game. I think once they're in it, or when they're in it it's difficult to make the argument that the game needs some tweaking. Once they get out and they watch it as fans, I I think their attitude can sometimes change. So I I would like to see, you know, I'd like to see what the commissioner was talking about a a couple of springs ago, a pitch clock, which is, which is instituted in the minor leagues. Um, I'd like to see more strikes called by umpires. Get the game. In other words, get the game moving with, with a little bit more of a, of a, uh, a higher pace to it. And, and I, I, I think that, you know, when they talk about overall time of game, it's not the overall time of game of getting it down from three hours and six minutes to two hours and 58 minutes. It's once, once the inning starts, how much action is actually happening, whether that's banning the shift uh, and, and making it go back to being able to put the ball in play. You know, a ground ball finding a hole a little bit more uh, easily. I, I think that's that's where the the disconnect is, and and I everybody's aware of it. It's just how do you kind of legislate that stuff back into the game? So you know, Rob Manfred's aware of it. I think plenty of owners are, and I and I think more and more players are that that uh, that, that doing that would make some sense. But but I, I love you know last night. That game was awesome, and, and I love seeing power on power, and, and last night the Dodgers' power, uh, both at the plate and on the mound, was better than Tampa Bay.
1: And, and it was a nice mix because there was lots of good two-strike approaches and two-out approaches from the Dodgers, which has emerged as a theme of this postseason, and, and it often does. Uh, I'll say this. In terms of also marketing the game, the way that – I don't know if that was new or just really good, but I heard the home plate umpire better than I perhaps ever had in, in my life last night. Was that, was that new at all? Or is that just a guy who was willing to be a part of the action? Cause I heard everything and I was enjoying the hell out of that last night.
2: That microphone's always been there. Uh, I think it's up to the audio guy in the truck uh, mm. being willing to kind of you know, as we say in the business, pop that up, but uh, you know, push the push the little uh, button forward to make that a little louder. And yeah, I'm with you. I, I think anytime, I don't care what the sport is, anytime you can take a viewer down into it and and kind of cross uh, that imaginary wall and get inside it and hear that at the plate is awesome. So our car, our, our audio guys, Joe Carpenter. He's a genius. Uh, our, our audio guys have, and, and our whole department has been so good this year. They've never been tested like this before, with no fans. And then you get into an LCS and a World Series, at least in Arlington, we've had fans. But how do you make the game, with the ambient sounds, you know, on TV, sound normal in this pandemic year?